We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Laurie, thanks so much for joining us today on the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. Really excited to have you on finally. This has been in the works for a while. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. It's good to, good to be here. Good to be chatting with you. Yeah, this this will be interesting. Like uh, communication and technology, it's interesting. I'm going to try and challenge some, I suppose, traditional thoughts about where we are with with this and today and youth sports in particular. But my first question for you, like communication, uh, in, as it relates to coaching, is probably a big big factor. We would all agree in any culture and any age. What do you think makes a coach a great communicator? Yeah, good question. Uh, I've I've played for a lot of a lot of coaching myself um and yeah i've had some good communicators uh and probably some some less good communicators it feels like communication comes a lot with experiences um for coaches uh but i think uh, as a player um what i'm looking for from a coach is just honesty um and somebody who's yeah what what they say they're going to kind of live that out with their with their actions um and that's kind of face-to-face communication um whether it's in the group i think it's important that they're just honest and upfront with everybody but they're also able to uh yeah take a player to one side and have that more more personal communication whatever you talk to again i I think as they get older people i think people get scared of communication uh from like we have this thing where hey you know you don't want to be the coach who's negative or you don't want to be the coach who's not a good communicator. So a lot of people avoid communication as they get older because the players, you know, it becomes, you know, playing time becomes where you've got the pressure, you've got different stages that are coming in different variables. Do you think that the older players, see, you know, the elite players would rather have um, direct communication that's a little bit negative than zero communication? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think the older you get, you may be you may be a little bit harder to communicate um, for coaches. But I think every player has their own internal internal narrative going on, and whatever level you play, I think every player is so focused on their own performance. And a big of that, a big thing of that, is what their own coach thinks of them. Um, so I think sometimes it's important for coaches to to maybe not be self conscious and to realize that whatever age this player is, they want to know what their coach thinks of them. Um, and they want a lot of positive feedback, but they also just want to just hear some honesty. Um, yeah, I, I always think when I speak to teammates or or coaches um, or other players, like you just realize how much how much of everybody's week they're thinking about how am I as a, as a football player? Um, and they have their own opinions on themselves. Sometimes that's positive, sometimes it's negative. Um, but to get reinforced by coaches on what you're doing well um, and how you can improve, I think is even if the players don't respond to it brilliantly uh, as it's happening, I think it's it's vital um, for for all ages. 
I think there's part of coaching for some reason that, and, and I feel like I've done this as well in the past, where you you want to give the players confidence, right? That's a core principle of what you want to do. But then there's this handbrake where you don't want to give them too much confidence where they have an elevated opinion of, but in many ways we should be reinforcing the fact, like you're saying like a, a player always worries about how they, their self-image is a player, but yet mm-hmm. coaches are in a position to influence that positively in a really, really big, big way. But we are reluctant to do that. Why are we reluctant to do that? I don't know, to be honest. Um, I think you definitely sense it. But yeah, what I think, and I've not been a coach myself uh, of uh, a single team throughout a full season. Um, so I'm sure when yeah my own coaching career develops to to that stage, I'll maybe run into the same problems that you're talking about. But from my point of view, you want as much input back from a coach as possible. And I think there's always going to be frustrations coaches have with players and they're always going to want to get those across. Um, but I think you have to balance it by, you almost have to like build up a credit of positive messaging um, to be able to deliver that, not necessarily negative, but uh, constructive criticism. So. I would prefer a coach to to kind of tell me well done or expand on well done, um, yeah, 50 times in a week to then deliver the 10 things that they, they actually want me to uh, to improve on or that they weren't happy enough with with me from my performance. Uh, I think, yeah, there's, there's probably in a coach's mind, it's easier to, to see what somebody hasn't done correctly um, and maybe you end up reluctant uh to tell them that because you haven't given them enough positive messaging um because i think by default most players are trying to do the right thing all of the time um but it can help even if that's the kind of the normal the status quo behavior is doing the right things all of the time it can help to hear hear that being praised by by your coach yeah i was reading there a couple days ago an article on lampard and Mourinho and their relationship and got this like one of the biggest most impactful moments was when he went in to the preseason I think he went into the showers in preseason I think it was in LA and and just was like told him three times that you're the best player in the world and there's there's coaches because when you speak to coaches like I've been on the side from a recruitment standpoint and you're calling about a player and you're saying listen can you can you tell me a little bit about such and such and they're like oh yeah amazing potential like unbelievable, could could play or all the way around. Coaches are calling you about their player to say, "Hey, can you take a look at this player? Unbelievable potential!" But they're not telling the player that, which <laughs> could actually take. Like, you know, it's just it's just amazing. Um, do you think diff- being and playing in different cultures, and we'll get to your journey as well. Moving, are certain cultures more? I suppose more straightforward or more aggressive with positive reinforcement in your experience. Um, yeah, I've definitely seen differences. So I've played for uh, Swedish coaches, English coaches, and American coaches, um, and I think the ones you probably get least uh, least positivity from, in my experience, was was English coaches, um, but. Yeah, I, I always played at a very, 
very high level in England growing up. Um, so that was in academy football at Man City and then at, at Rochdale. And you felt like the older you got, the more the more hard you got driven. Um, yeah, where, where the positive messaging comes from, uh, I'm not sure. I think it's, I, I don't know, some of those teams that I was in, you feel like you go through so much together that you build up a trust and once the trust is there you're more open to receiving um criticism but i think then moving to the us and then moving to sweden after that um it felt like the positive messaging was more more forthcoming um sooner uh so i actually think what i see of my friends who coach in the uk now it seems like there's a much more um positive uh messaging that happens more by default in academy football um and probably grassroots football too and don't get me wrong i had a lot of a lot of coaches who gave me a lot of positive advice when i was growing up too but it just seems like the default mode particularly in sweden i think is much more positive and there's kind of a more basic assumption that what you're doing is right um and that yeah everybody's trying to do the right thing nobody needs disciplining uh unless a particular event triggers the the uh yeah negative or more constructive communication mm. it's something that i'm fascinated by is that you know it sounds great strengths based you know like focusing on a player what they can do and we probably all like to get there and then maybe coach education takes us to a, focusing on the negatives to try and fix them but i think as as you're looking at 16 17 year olds coming through they are we are especially in the u.s we're finding less players who strengths stand out, you know, that you look at and say, oh, wow, they can do this. Yeah, but nobody can tick all the boxes. So even if you're looking at Messi, yeah, but he's, you know, what about in the air and stuff like that there? So I, I'm fascinated by if we are actually producing a, an average generation of players because that's almost how we are offsetting our communication between negative and positive. Yeah, it's it's incredibly hard to say, isn't it? Um, I think you have to embrace people's individual characteristics. Uh, in truth, I haven't seen much difference between that in, in any of the countries or any of the coaching cultures um, I've been involved in. Uh, it seems like we do want all-rounders um, all over the place, really. Yes, we do, which is a, it's a different topic. Uh, but like, I, I just think that's... That's unrealistic. Like, name me a top top player in the in the history of the game. We're all talking about objectivity today, and like that's that's an evidence based approach. So surely there is evidence that you know the great player ticked every box. Let's go back to your your experience at the youth ranks at Man City. So again, I'm doing a lot of reading at the moment. Does it sounds uh, read <laughs> about Stephen Ireland? Um, talked about how harsh that environment at Man City was from the level of senior pros. It, you know, it sounded really, really tough. How was that experience with you with, with coaches? Like, was the, were the coaches tough there as well? Um, yes, yeah, so at Man City, I was there from 12 years old until I was just before I turned 17. So it, it's that age where, um, yeah, you're very sensitive to the feedback that you're getting from coaches. Uh, and I would say that it was it was pretty tough when I was there. Um, yeah, I'm thinking age group to age group. You definitely had 
all coaches who would be willing to put their arm around your shoulder and and tell you well done and make sure that you're that you're doing all right but in general i think the philosophy was to to challenge us um yeah they, they weren't afraid to to shout at us if we hadn't performed well or yeah certainly if if there was any kind of misbehavior um and i think it taught us a lot of a lot of discipline um but it was also a very competitive environment i think that's the biggest difference i've seen in in the uk um the experience i came up with compared to what you see maybe at that age uh in the us or in sweden the the competition between teammates um that is driven by coaches is is as it's as competitive as competition is against other teams and so i always wanted to be better than the midfielders in my own team um probably to be honest more so than i wanted us to play brilliantly together um and that was certainly how we were raised i remember uh joey barton who was in in that man city team that you're talking about uh he came to our under 12s session i think it was um yeah, maybe a little older maybe it's under 14s uh and he said if there's any central midfielders in this group you know how hard you have to work is that you have to rip the shirt off my back um if you want to make it here at man city i'm playing central midfield in the first team now and when you get into the first team there's going to be me there or somebody else that you have to be better than to take the shirt so you have to yeah you have to train as hard as you can um and have the mentality that you're going to rip the shirt off my back because me or any other pro is never going to give it to you um so that getting that message when you when you're so young just kind of yeah sets in your mind that you're not really playing boys football at that stage um you're preparing to play men's football from a very very young age and then it's just about the physical capabilities and your technical capabilities to to get to that stage but i think you you're given that like professional mentality from a very very young age at least in my experience i was and that's that's driven home by coaches that's um joey barton saying that he's a he was a first team pro at the time but it's it's the same message we'd be getting from our our coaches just reinforced by a player yeah i mean we're coming off uh the michael jordan documentary obviously um again like just little things that nicholas anelka even I'm, I'm halfway through that one at the minute and he starts off where he goes to the uh what do you call it the the french academy um at the young age and his mentality yeah. was that what you're saying there is like it was the competitive element with other players you have to you know, he saw this as one or two players make it. I'm going to be one of those one or two players. As a coach, I suppose, you know, how much can a coach do? In is that is it the coach's role then to communicate that every day to push, or is it the coach's role every day to be like, listen, the environment's pushing you. I'm going to support you because there's obviously it's tough. I mean, where do you think that balance lies with the coach? Um, I think that's what City was always good at. Uh, for me, you always felt supported. Um, so the environment was incredibly competitive, and I think maybe the teams and the environment was set up to have players competing against one another. Um, but you always felt looked after by your coach, and you felt like your coach was was trying to put together a team at every age group um, as well as raise individuals. So I think there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of support given to us, um, and I think that's been been true everywhere. You, 
you are still kids at that age and you need a lot of support. And I think almost all coaches uh, I've ever had, or certainly all coaches I've ever had, and I would guess almost all coaches recognize that at the, yeah, the teenage years, um, certainly. Who, what are some names that, that kind of went through and made it to the first team? Were there any, any, I imagine it's a very, very hard, that was, you're talking 07, 08 was when the money started changing the city. So, I mean, was, did anyone break through? Yes, that was the, um, it was a really strange time to be at the academy, at the academy then, because when I joined, when I was 12 years old, big Man City fan, uh, we, we had a team, first team pretty much made up of academy graduates and then yeah pretty random um premier league cast-offs in some cases so the belief in the academy was that if you're good enough the natural progression is that you're going to make it into the first team um and it was certainly true for for players they, they were doing that while i was in the academy um so i think two years above me um was the man city youth cup winning team and in that there was daniel storage who obviously went on to have a brilliant career uh, Kieran Trippier, who didn't make it through oh, at City, but, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. Um, so I think he made a couple of uh, appearances and then went to Burnley before Tottenham. Um, and he was, yeah, he was the youth team captain at that time. And we'd be training with all of these in the under 16s, uh, and it was quite a, a normal environment. But everyone was talked of very highly, just in the same way a lot of a lot of my age group were. Um, but the one who was who was just destined to be at the top was Michael Johnson. Um, so he he didn't he didn't have a long career, but in his short career, I think he showed what quality he had. And then, yeah, there was maybe some off the field uh, things that meant he didn't go on to have a particularly fulfilling career. But I actually read something myself recently about him, and it seems like he's he's happy in his life now. So that was that was good to see because he was absolutely class. He was my role model um, in the academy. I was a central midfielder. He was two years older than me. And he was just absolute golden boy uh, for good reason. He, he, he had everything. Um, so, yeah, that team was was really successful. Um, Storage broke through into the first team. Micah Richards was just a year or two older than that as well. And he was yeah one of the hottest prospects in England and played for the England um, setup. So there were a lot of examples. And then when we got to... So I was released at 16 and in that last um, or end of under 16s in that last year was when the money started to come in. Um, so I think I was out injured for about six weeks. And by the time uh, I got back, there was two new French midfielders we'd just signed um, who, who I had to like battle with to win my place back. Uh, and from then on, the academy got a lot more international Um which I think was one of the first areas where we started spending spending money was scouting younger players from um, across the continent, mainly mainly from Europe. Um, and it was just like, yeah, evidence of a changing club uh, because when I first got there, it was pretty much lads from around Manchester. We'll just take a quick break here. This podcast is sponsored today by our good friends at Haya. I know a lot of coaches who ask if there's a better way to handle communication between coaches, managers, parents and players off the pitch and I can highly recommend the sports app Heya. On Heya you can see exactly who reads the information you send out and unlike WhatsApp or text messages you can organise training times and details using a separate team calendar within the app. It's easy for everyone to view meaning all those important dates and times do not get lost in a group chat. 
Surprisingly, Haya is free to use for your whole team. Nobody has to pay anything, so I would highly recommend you download it now, give it a go, save yourself some time, and get your team better organized and together this season. You can search in your app store for Haya, that is spelled H-E-J-A, or just click the link in the podcast notes, and you'll see it also on MSC social media accounts. Haya, please check it out, coaches. Back to Laurie. Again, another article I read was uh, was a United. Um, I forget the guy's name. Went to went from Burnley, a big big player at Burnley. Took him to United. Didn't quite get through, but he was saying like when he was released after United, it was basically hey, you know all the best. Uh, was that the same at City? Did anyone then was was the coach? Did that role of support did that continue, or was it just the day you were released? Was it hey, good luck? and no contact with anyone at all? Did they help you provide some form of like plan B or C or whatever it was? Um, I, I personally had a pretty good relationship with quite a few of the coaches there. Um, and yeah, I, I don't necessarily keep much in touch with them, them now, but I think I still have their contact details. And if I ever wanted to reach out, I'd feel comfortable doing that. I, actually, when I was released, um, I always had a really good attitude and yeah, I was a city fan. So they always looked after me made sure I got yeah, um, tickets for all the big home games uh, and stuff like that. And when I was released, they said, yeah, we really hope that you make it as a footballer. Um, good luck elsewhere. And they did help set up a couple of trials for me, but they also said, if you don't want to carry on playing or at the point you don't want to carry on playing, we'll have you back uh, as a coach in the academy because yeah, I've I've had the experience. I've been uh, a good attitude and, and a big city fan. Been there for four or five years, um, so that was really nice. The actual pretty much entire academy staff then turned over a couple of years later. So uh, after I then got released by Rochdale before I went to the US, I was thinking, I wonder if that job offer still stands. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, I've not inquired since, but yeah, we we'd, we'd see. I, I'll see if I can turn up to the Etihad or the City Football Academy and say that uh, yeah, many moons ago, Jim Cassell offered me a lifetime coaching gig uh, and see see if it holds with Pep Guardiola's staff. Uh, I'll have to give that one a go. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, moving then to America, again, like our role over here, something that I'm quite fascinated by, the role of a coach. Because I, I played with a couple of guys. This was... 2000 no like 1999 it was almost the last year of like the yts guys that could transition straight away without missing any years they got four years eligibility so i had three or four yts guys and the difference between you know sitting in the dorm and you're chatting difference in the role of the coach the coach over in america becomes somewhat of a mentor you know it's because a bit more there's less pressure i suppose on the results and you're not trying to push them to an extra level did you notice that relationship changing whenever you went to college soccer and, and the role over here uh, culturally as well? So the role between player and coach? Yeah, yeah. How the, how the coach was over here, the college coach. Did you find that yeah. the college coach behaved uh, a little bit more empathetically towards the players? Definitely. Um, my first year in college, I went to University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, and I was recruited by um, Chris Wally, who was the coach uh, my first year. He was just there for my freshman year. Um, so he was an English guy. And I think he was, was he new that year? He might have been new the year before at the college. Um, and he brought... Lim- Limestone Chris came from under. 
Um, yes, yeah. yeah. Division, yeah. Division two college lads. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so he brought in quite a lot of English lads, and he was quite close to the players. Um, but then the year after, uh, Chris Kelderman, uh, yeah, a, an American guy. Um, I think he had a really good career, playing career, uh, and he's still the Milwaukee coach now. So he came in to replace yeah, Chris Wally the year after, um, and I think he probably had the the kind of attitude that you that you're talking about a bit more of a mentor. Um, he coached us. He absolutely taught us things, but he was quite quite comfortable that we were old enough by that stage to kind of look after ourselves. Obviously, if lads got in trouble with school and stuff, he disciplined us. Um, but he, yeah, he he was quite. He allowed us to be who we were, um, basically, and just sort of put the put the team building steps in place to to be a team in his image. Um, but there wasn't there was nowhere near as much uh, import or I'd say kind of overbearing control over the players in the team that I'd experienced uh, in the under 18s at, at Rochdale, where it's it feels really life and death when you're in it. Um, you're desperate for a pro contract. Your coach is desperate for you to get that. Um, so the intensity every day is is high. Motivation's high. Whereas when you come to college, um, yeah, it's it's a very different pace. And I think, yeah, my coaches in Milwaukee, I can only speak highly of them because they 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 suited the environment well, um, while also helping us advance as players and. Yeah, Chris helped me get my first. Uh, Chris Kelderman helped me get my first um, contract in the US in the USL as well. So yeah, he he also helped advance my career in just a very different different attitude, I would say. Yeah, as as the you know we're talking about the games changing, uh, a lot of it's expanding. Technical requirements expand. Physical capabilities. Um, the role of technology. Is that changing how coaches communicate today? Um, yeah, I think it probably does. For example, uh, technology in terms of statistics uh, and analytics has, has come massively into the game. So my coach, when he's communicating with us um, after a game, he'll have checked the stats. He'll have, he'll have looked at his own um, video analysis, which are maybe things that wouldn't have, have always been the case. Um, in coaching i think at the grassroots level it's probably a little bit less touched by by technology um in terms of those things but for example at here what we've what we've tried to do is build something where you can have the very best of technology helping um a grassroots coach communicate so for example in in a way where maybe 10 20 years ago you'd have to call up every team parent or every player to explain uh, what the plan was for the weekend or the next week's training and games. Um, technology today means that you can use an app like ours, you can use an app like something else um, that basically outlines absolutely everything that a coach needs to communicate to an entire set of parents or players um, at the touch of a couple of buttons, which is yeah pretty unimaginable for, for coaches back in the day. Even when I was growing up, um, I remember waiting by the phone uh, every Friday night in, in Manchester to see whether my games were going to be on the next day uh, or if it had been too much rain. So that was, what was that, 20 years ago uh, when I was playing in the 
the under sevens at Poynton. Um, now that would be the touch of a button for a coach to send all that information out to, to everybody all at once. Um, so yeah, the technology has changed, changed so much. And I think it's quite exciting to see where it goes next because it still feels like we're scratching the surface of um, that professional sports, professional football feels very advanced in how far along it is in using technology. But you read the stuff that comes out like the, um, is it the Barcelona Institute and, and stuff like that. And every year things are like pretty radically changed. So I think what's interesting is when that stuff starts to filter all the way down to, to grassroots sports or whether grassroots sports will stay largely unaffected by um, technology. But yeah, with hopefully the addition here and there of, of a few coaches using an app like here. Mm. you've got this thing now where and we're talking there about the average you know an average creating an average player with you've got to be good in all these areas but you know i see people posting stuff online where it's like hey you know requirements for a center midfielder today if we were to take that and say requirements for a coach today and there's this great clip of robbie savage when he was trying to get this is only like 2000 i think it's 2005 six seven uh so we're talking about 14 15 years ago He's trying to get back into the Wales team and he fell out with John Toshak and he's, he couldn't get hold of him. So he's on the radio show and he's like, how can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Um, and the guys are like, yeah, like he doesn't have a mobile phone. Do you think we're at a stage today where coaches, youth level coaches, you know, you see, you hear it, I hear it, like I'm, I'm no good at technology. I don't know anything about a computer. I don't know how to, anything about social media or I don't know anything about phones. Do you think we're at a stage now where coaches today, if they want to make a difference, if they want to be good, listen, you have to know something about technology to a to a certain degree, to a basic degree? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think you could probably get away with it if you have a member of staff, uh, yeah, maybe at the pro level, where you're able to have assistants who can take over the technology. Um, or... Yeah, but I think in general, all coaches coming up now are going to be so adept at technology and that's just going to be second nature in how they how they approach the role of coaching. And it's also going to be second nature for players who yeah, are only going to get younger and more familiar with technology that they're going to, um, they're going to basically require that from, from their coaches. So maybe there's a generation of coaches who don't feel particularly comfortable with technology um, Who'll, who'll get away with it with help from assistants or at the grassroots level with help from volunteers. Uh, but it's, yeah, I, I don't think there'll be too many instances of players not having um, the ability to reach the coach by, by mobile phone. Um, but it, it's also interesting because you, yeah, at Haya, we work with um, coaches in, in soccer, baseball, softball, American football, netball, everything. Um, and you can sometimes see, for example, your average baseball coach is probably a little bit older than your average um, grassroots soccer coach uh, in the US. It seems like soccer coaches typically tend to be a little younger um, by by demographic. And so, yeah, what our app does is basically very, very simply help a coach um, communicate with with the team parents or the players and set practice times and and dates and meetup locations and stuff um and what we believe a bunch of yeah 20 30 year olds who work at the company 
what we believe is very simple. We have to sort of check with coaches um, that it, is this simple to you? And we have to kind of keep in mind what a 65-year-old baseball coach is able to do um, with technology compared to a 24-year-old um, soccer coach or, of course, a 65-year-old soccer coach, what, what they're able to do with technology. Um, and so for an app like ours that tries to appeal to to all coaches and pride itself on being easy to use, you really do have to get in the mind of um, what somebody who didn't grow up with a smartphone um, is is not only capable of doing, but is intuitive to them. Uh, and that's actually been a pretty big learning experience for me as a 27 year old who's very familiar with technology and it's always been part of, um, or pretty much always been part of my yeah, sporting life. Now I'm having to try and keep in mind what a 65 year old coach will or will not be able to do on a smartphone. Um, and yeah, it, it makes you a bit more sympathetic, I think, with with the older generation of coaches who've probably seen the landscape of what they're being expected to do completely change um, across the course of their career um, and what it means to be a coach just completely transform. So uh, I think most of them, if they've been in coaching all their lives, you're resilient enough to uh, to get over a change like that. But um, but yeah, it's been eye-opening for me uh, having to, to consider that. Um, and it's, yeah, I think it's something that, coaches growing up probably won't be able to imagine um, a time before technology was just a daily part of, of their coaching lives because now it does seem to be inseparable. Mm. It's, it's really interesting. Like I, I think as well the, the preferences of the young players to how they want to interact with a coach. I'm a big fan of, of, an, of a centralized structure of an app to communicate um, with video analysis and everything, and that's something I know you guys are are, are pretty heavy into. Do you think that you know, like it's just funny? People don't really want emails and text messages and phone. Like, if I get a phone call today, um, I'm pr I'm probably not answering it because I'm either playing, I'm doing something with my family, or I'm in the middle of doing some sort of work. So I'm trying. Unless it's probably about four or five people. Of I have to answer this phone, but the rest of it, same with text. Like I, my, I would say my average time of getting back to you on a text message is a week and a half. You know, like whereas ten years ago, I would have got back right away. So now, I wonder if now kids are now on their phones thinking, you know, uh, you're you're blowing up my text messages here. I would rather actually have this in an app where it doesn't directly impact, you know, me having to I'd get back to you right away or anything like that. There, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's what's really interesting. And that's basically what we're trying to achieve at Haya. Um, you have you have teams of young athletes who will basically be communicating with each other on, let's say, a Snapchat group. Then you might have a coach whose instinct is to communicate with those same players through email. Uh, and those two platforms are completely different. Um, so what we've tried to do at Haya is put some something somewhere in the middle of those where you have that communication you can have a a group um a group chat with your just players together you can have a group chat between parents if it's a youth sports team um but then you also have that one centralized place where you know exactly where to look for all of your team information what time training is going to be um if there's been a last minute change that's the single place that you have to look 
Uh, and when you compare that to something like a, a Snapchat group, um, which I know some coaches use, and emails and phone calls, which I know some coaches still use, um, there's with a group chat, yeah, Snapchat group or or a WhatsApp group. Uh, if you just put a piece of information there, that can get lost a hundred messages up the way before somebody comes to to check that group. Uh, suddenly, the actual critical piece of information. It's disappeared whereas there's um yeah 12 memes that have followed it that uh, everybody's managed to see so i think yeah here we've tried to solve what could be a frustration of coaches that they're having to repeat messages because parents and players aren't seeing them if they're lost in a in a snapchat group um but also on the other side of it not have to burden players if they're old enough or parents with constantly getting yeah texts or phone calls or emails and not quite knowing exactly where to be looking for for information from their coaches so yeah our solution has been one single app where you know that everything that's going to be communicated about what's happening on your sports team is in this single place you can get notified in that single place um, and then if you want to if you want to host all your communication on that uh, app as well as a way to do it but if you want to keep your snapchat group um or whatever it is between teammates and have your banter flying around there and that can be separate but you have this one single place where you know is like the home of all your team information um so nothing can get lost and then one of the one of the surprisingly uh popular features from the coaching side on here is just the ability to see who's received the information so if they um schedule training for 6 p.m on wednesday and they have 20 people in the group, they can see that 16 out of those 20 have seen that information that training is at 6 p.m. on Wednesday now, and they know who the four people are uh, that need reminding. Um, whereas whether if that's email or if that's text, you send it to everybody, you don't actually know unless you get a very rare response of like, yes, coach, got it. Um, you don't know who's got the information and you, you're basically crossing your fingers um, that people are going to show up at 6 p.m. on Wednesday. So. I think, yeah, what we've tried to do is put everything in one place uh, that's just as simple as possible for coaches um, to save them time, but also be very easy and straightforward place for parents and players to to receive that team information without having to, to do anything more than just check an app on the phone. Mm. As we as we move then to like parents becoming more involved and, you know, the well, it has to be at the youth level to a, to an extent. You, you're now yeah. seeing that the organization, like there is no pressure. Yeah, there's pressure on coaches to win and all that, creative environment, blah, blah, blah. But there's also pressure on coaches to make sure that you're actually efficient and effective with your scheduling now, right? Because everyone's so busy up until up until this lockdown everyone's been doing 20 things at the same time and when it stops everyone will still be doing it so you've got to be like you don't want to be the coach that sends people to the wrong time or nor do you want to be the coach who forgets to invite someone because that could be a major that could be a worse problem than being a bad communicator on a session yeah i actually feel sorry for for the administrative time um that coaches have to put into their job because I think most aspiring coaches want time out on the grass with their with their players, um, and it can turn into almost the role of a secretary. Uh, and yeah, especially at the grassroots youth team level, parents don't particularly make it easy for you. I don't think so. 
yeah, that that's another motivation behind here. Um, just help a coach actually spend as little time as possible um, in in scheduling everything, and then also handing the control over um, the communication to the coach in the sense that if I do schedule training for six pm on a Wednesday, then you have all been notified because you do all have this app, and I've actually been able to see that you've seen this message. So if then there's a complaint from a parent. You can say, "Listen, you've you've got this information. Um, it, it's up to you to follow through with it. You can't turn up with the excuse that you haven't got the information." Which I think, with something like email or text messages, um, there's a bit more, yeah, there's a bit more vagueness on whether this uh, has been delivered. So, just both sides. I think it's about accountability. Um, that's one of the words that we get over and over from people who use here. Is uh, it's just allowed them to make their players um, or their, their parents accountable for showing up. Like there's there's no excuse for not getting the information. Um, if it's all there in the team app that everybody's signed up to. Um, yeah, so I think that helps give coaches a bit of peace of mind, which is all we're trying to do really. Um, because yeah, we, yeah, the corny side of here is that we genuinely believe what coaches do makes makes the world better it helps kids um and so the more time they actually have to focus on developing kids developing characters and the less time they have to be their own team secretaries um the better so if if technology can help in a small way uh coaches achieve that then all the better for it top class really interesting. that yeah yeah no it's top class i really appreciate it um it's going to be interesting to see where where we move in the next in the next 10 years any guesses to which direction we're gonna we're gonna start going with youth sports and technology i don't know i i think i think video technology is only we're only scratching the surface with it um and i think even down to the grassroots level now there's there's going to be parents who are willing to video record every game and every parent or every young player who's interested in um kind of a potentially like a career in sports whether it's college career pro career whatever i think there's there's never going to be less hunger in how to get a performance benefit and video analysis is massive for that so i just wonder how how much we will be able to go into video analysis like quite in depth um even for for young kids not affiliated to um yeah professional setups uh, i think yeah maybe stats as well but i think video even more um everyone's going to want to watch their own game clips and i think you already see it now at like down to a surprisingly low level um uh, even if it's as simple as like kids wanting to put something cool that they did on instagram they're going to want those game clips available to them without having to troll through 90 minutes so i think something like y scout for grassroots teams uh will be like pretty common within five years maybe two years i don't know interesting interesting yeah. Brilliant. well when it when it starts to move that direction we'll uh, we'll get you on again and we'll see what's uh how we need to adapt and change and keep moving but this has been great i really appreciate you Ryan. cheers thank you for listening to the modern soccer coach podcast for more coaching topics sessions and resources head on over to coach kernine on facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com